Shut up and sit down. Hope you're having a great weekend. Um, we were, um, uh, I was, um, I decided to make a calendar for um, next year for, for writing and for like the rough trade and quantum bang. I'm going to put it in a PDF so you guys can download it from the writer's table. And I was, um, I'm probably in headquarters too, just so you know, you don't have to join a writing group to get the calendar if you want the calendar. Anyways, it's just a little thing I've been doing. And um, I realized I couldn't finish my calendar for next year until I picked a theme for Rough Trade for November, which I had not done yet. Um, I had done April and July, which, you know, April is our sequel challenge. And July is our um, our movie challenge. We're going to rewrite the ending of two movies. Um, but I didn't have a challenge for November. So I was just been putting it off and, um, and, you know, not really putting it off because I have a whole year, right? I didn't have to decide, but I wanted to do my calendar. So I had to decide. Um, so we decided, um, we talked about it and, um, Jilly had read this thing about, uh, uh they done a poll about popular tropes and the most popular trope was friends to lovers. Um, but I thought that might be a, t- a little too specific for November because it's National Writing Novel Month and um, while I don't personally write a lot of genfic, there are people who do um, and so and that would not lend itself to um, it would eliminate a lot of options for some people so that's more of an April or a July challenge um, and the second popular trope was Canaan Divergence so uh, that was the one that I picked and I've already done art I put it up on the writer's table I think it's beautiful Anyways, um, I got Jilly on the phone, and um, I've even oh, unmuted oh. myself. Oh, congratulations! Oh, I want to say, um, last night I said something about cows during the middle of my, of my podcast, um, and someone sent me an email asking me what kind of cows I've got. Okay, dudes, I don't actually have cows i know i sound country (laughs) as fuck but i don't actually have cows jillian and i are playing this game called township and they're heifers yeah they're female cows they're milk cows on this game and during the podcast my computer was mooing at me because my milk cows needed milking so I went over and collected all my milk, and that's what I was talking about. I don't literally have cows in my yard. I've got two full, rotten, fussy little dogs in my yard, um, uh, Jack Russell and a Siberian Husky, and um, they're, they're terrible. Um, the Husky's about two years old, and um, he hops around like a bunny still, like from his puppy stage. He's 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 craziness. Um but um no, I don't actually have cows. But it feels <laughs> wrong to leave my cows on the milker thing because it looks really painful. So when my cows move at me, I go 
collect the milk, so they're not on it. But they're right. not nearly as bad as, as you do. So the cows you do, yes. don't leave. The cows you do not leave on the milker, but the sheep. But if you're not ready for more milk, you just don't feed them. That way they can just rest. Because otherwise you'd be compelled to go milk them. But the sheep, it's the opposite. Until you need that wool, you leave them alone. <laughs> we don't leave them and don't, naked. And don't take the wool until you've got something to feed the sheep. Because you don't want to leave your sheep naked and afraid. <laughs> they are very naked and very afraid. And their wings don't help at all. And I had to throw the wing <laughs> bit in there in case somebody got literal about this again. <laughs> but I don't actually have anything beyond two spoiled rotten dogs in my yard. And perhaps a bird carcass or two, because I didn't check today. Um, I wonder if you're – I wonder if this is a Facebook friend of yours, because you occasionally put up that um, Facebook profile thing that says, Beware the Cow Mafia. And maybe they, like, I don't know, think you've got, like, a cow mafia out back <laughs> that you have to if milk on occasion. If there was a cow mafia, if that was actually possible, I would have cow mafia in my backyard. But that's not accurate. Um, so I don't have that. But I don't have cows. Um, although I really enjoyed well, the pictures of Fluffy cows I got in my email this morning. If I ever had cows, I'd want Scottish Highland ones because they're adorable. (laughs) Adorable. Anyways, we're talking about Canaan Divergence tonight, and that's going to be the Rough Trade November 2019, next year. Um, theme and like I said I only planned so far out in advance because um, I wanted to do my calendar (laughs) (laughs) and many 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 of you have already written Canon Divergent AUs Uh, having some exposure to most of the writing on Rough Trade a lot of it fits not all of it but a lot of it fits that bill and most writers have dabbled in it at least once or twice. Most people don't write complete alternate setting AUs all the time. So, I'd like to say most that, of my writing is Canon Divergence. Yeah, I would say most of mine is too. Cows with you can guns. even do be, that because is it's the funniest shit on YouTube. By the way, sorry. The cows, cows with guns, guns video? Yeah, it is. The chickens um, in the because helicopter. A char- because a character's backstory is considered part of canon, um, pre-series canon divergence is, is part of canon divergence trope, too. Um, as long as the backstory that you're changing is actually established canon. If there's no established canon for your character's backstory, you can't really call it <laughs> a canon divergence. Um, the legacy that I wrote is a canon divergence. Uh, Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond is, is a canon convergence. Divergence. Mm-hmm. I can see that happening a lot tonight. <laughs> um, what might have been is a canon divergence. Ties that bind is an alternate universe. It is not a canon divergence. 
uh, Sentinels of Atlantis is not a canon divergence. Uh, but Lantean Legacy is. Anything with, with elements that don't exist in canon as your major plot element, like Sentinels, Soulmates, I, I don't think that kind of stuff would qualify. It's a completely different trope. Um, now, a lot of people double up their trope, which is that they make canon happen just the way it did, despite being in a Sentinel universe, and then do a canon divergence. But it's a little bit of a stretch. It's a little bit of a stretch to call it. Because I always find it kind of, you know, hinky, to use an aviism, that um, that canon would have proceeded apace, literally, um, step for step for every single person in canon in a in a universe where there are something like Sentinels. Now, I've written... Um, I've decided to overlook that, but I've always at least mentally acknowledged that it was bullshit. <laughs> because, you know, what are the odds? What are the odds that everything would happen just the same with, you know, Gibbs, let's say Gibbs being a sentinel? It just doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, but anything of mine that doesn't have any kind of, like, paranormal or supernatural element in it that is, like, where, where it's not, it's like a... Intuitive canon divergence. I mean, you introduce a super a paranormal element to cause that is the reason canon diverges, is because this paranormal element is introduced. But otherwise, it starts its basis is in canon. Uh, and some things branch like some things will branch very narrowly away from canon. Like you're talking, you know, a degree. You're doing a little teeny tiny change, and some things are a right hand turn. And intuitive is more of a right-hand turn. It's like, okay, we're releasing this virus that's going to make people psychics. Um, yeah, that canon is all fucked to pieces now. I do think the further that you step away from canon events, the closer you get to an outright alternate universe instead of a canon divergence. Yeah, but I, I think if you start your your ripple in canon, it doesn't matter how far it takes you from because your your ripples could take you to a dystopian future. Um, yeah, and I think as long as you start, because like if there's an alien invasion, that could go dystopian. Um, let's say they couldn't stop the race from invading Earth. That actually, I would call that canon divergent. It's a matter of how you interpret the ripple effect. But that is a lot of the, the the issue with canon divergence is you're asking a question. What would happen if we take canon as it is? And at this point, whether it's in the timeline or in the backstory, we insert this change and wait and see what happens. There's another one of those cases where there has to be canon in order for it to work. But so I think that you're basic principle of a canon divergence is you start with a what if. Um, what if James lived and Lily died? What if John didn't go to Pegasus? What if Tony 
decided to tell Gibbs to go fuck himself and join the FBI. (laughs) (laughs) What if John McGarrett got loose and killed Victor Hess? Oh, John. These are these are the kinds of what ifs that you ask yourself, and all of these would lead you to to a Canaan divergence. What if John McGarrett found Tony in that hotel room when he was a kid, and Tony is in Hawaii on vacation when Victor Hess invades the house? And Tony kills Victor Hess. That's a double. That's like so many what ifs. <laughs> but it's entirely plausible because these um, these universes are connected in canon. There's every reason to believe that the cop that showed up at Tony's hotel when he was a kid and his dad abandoned him in Hawaii could be John McGarrett. Could easily have been, yeah. Since well, Tony's – when they finally revealed Tony's age, I think in canon he's a couple years older than Steve. Um, but it's not it's not a significant age gap where John would have been like a teenager or been in college or something. They're pretty close in age. And that's if no, John would have been a cop. Yeah. And probably a beat cop too who was responding to um, – you know, he probably would have been, I mean, it'd probably been a uniformed officer, the kind of officer who would respond to, we have a guest who's locked themselves in a hotel room. I, I don't know if you meant that genuinely, Ellie, or if you're being sarcastic. <laughs> I think she's perhaps <laughs> thinking about nocturnal nodules and narwhals. <laughs> That's where I went when she mentioned noc- unicorns and nocturnal. Because whenever narwhal comes up, I'm like, oh, the unicorn of the sea. Um, <laughs> the unicorn of the sea. <laughs> And then once I get narwhal in my head, right, because I went right to narwhal because Steve's a seal. Anyway, um, of course, we go back to Azure's N entry, and we have nocturnal nodules. So, you know. It was a very organic process. It was. That's all in there, and Azure's ruined me. She has ruined a many a person. Moo. (laughs) (laughs) One day in in our bitch chat, we um, took turns mooing each other with with audio clips. Yes, we did. (laughs) We audio clipped each other with moo. Moo. And then Cinna, 
when Santa had when Santa had surgery, she mooed at us a high as a kite like all day. Her <laughs> first hand surgery. Do you remember that? She just lived with yeah. long moves like moo. <laughs> Okay. If she even sound, I don't know how you can moo and sound stoned, but she mooed at sounding stoned. Her moo sounded like she was completely out of it. Oh, we've been through the alphabet many a time, Edie. She never runs out. She just starts over. It's she doesn't see the she doesn't see the alphabet as linear. She sees it as a circle. <laughs> Z just leads to A. I Oliver obligingly offered oral orgasms on obstinate Otto's obscene organ. I personally am offended on Otto's behalf. Why is his organ got to be obscene? Well, because Azure likes a big dick. <laughs> For those of you on the podcast who aren't in Minion Headquarters on Facebook, As likes to post purple prose on the group. Just like what I read, she's currently on O. And every word is the sentence starts with the letter O. Yeah. She's really good with the alliteration. She even gets, makes sure she doesn't sneak in any stray articles. Because most people will kind of allow articles or conjunctions to kind of um, not count on the purple prose. As is hardcore, everything is alliterative. So. I'm looking. I'm, I'm looking forward to Z. I'm looking forward to X. But actually, for for the purposes <laughs> of alliteration, it just has to be the sound. It doesn't have to be the letter. Like exact counts in in terms of alliteration. It doesn't have to be X-ray. Not that I'm I'm not trying to help help you or anything there, Azure. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she has a plan already. <laughs> oh, she'll do Q just fine. She'll do Q just fine. Yeah, yeah. she's she's mastered Q before. I'm I'm not worried about Q. Um, okay, Canon Divergence. Um, normally, um, like uh, when we do a trope drift, we talk about Canon Divergence that we like, um, or we talk about tropes that we like and stories that we like in this, um, in the trope. Um, so how do we do a little plot? And you know, ask each other questions. So, um, what do you want to do? Um, let's. I was. I'm ill prepared on terms of the stories. So, I, while I'm pondering stories that I like that are canon divergent, because I need to go think about that for a second, we could talk about works we've done that are canon divergent, and what the question was with them, what the impetus was for their creation. Why would one converge that way? With Landing and Legacy, it was um, what would happen if Earth dropped the ball with the expedition? 
how would that play out? And um, that's what I did with Lanty and Legacy in that they were in a place um, where they were uh, desperate for power, um, desperate for safety, um, and they brought home power, and they woke something up in the city that made their dreams come true. So there's a manipulative edge under Lantian Legacy um, where a savvy reader would ask themselves as they're reading how much influence Theseus having on the expedition. You know, they are living on a living, sentient creature um, who has telepathic and empathic abilities. How is he influencing them for good or bad? Current goes throughout the entire um, series that I have plotted. Um, and it all boils down to the to the good nature of Theseus. Um, because there are other, uh, their circumstances could have been very different if he wasn't, um, innately good. And so that's the, that's the question. Um, but what would happen if Earth dropped the ball and there was something or someone else in the universe that could empower them, make them not need Earth? So that's what I did with Lanthian Legacy. <clears throat> Your turn. Um, <laughs> well, um, well but I think I think my favorite of my Canon Divergent AUs is probably De Novo. I love De Novo. Or maybe it, actually, I said because I, I do think if uh, it let me let me see how I put this crossovers can be very difficult to be truly canon divergent because they'd have to not get weird in any of the fandoms that are crossed over. Um, I mean, as long I guess you could do like a canon divergent just. Um, I'm trying to. I'm just thinking through the logistics of shows that aren't in the same universe being crossed over. Um, I think as long as they don't violate each other's canon, you can make that work. Uh, which would be, I would say, actually, my first, my favorite would be if found, please return. And I don't think there's anything in Stargate or NCIS that violates each other's canon. Except that, oh, I didn't even juggle the timeline on that one. <laughs> it just works. I had to think about that. Author, hand wipe of destiny. Yeah. I mean, at, at most I wiggled it a few months, but it's really difficult to say that for for certain because the Stargate timeline isn't really all that concrete. Um, 
and that one, and I think about if sound is I find if sound to be kind of like I'm a little on the fence about. I I I think it it strikes me as being canon divergent because the um the what if the question is like what if Tony had been um all of canon happens. It's just what if Tony had been abducted instead of and and uh, therefore he and he didn't even know that he thought that he was adopted. That his his family thought he was adopted, but he didn't even know that. He thought he was their biological child. So it is a change in his canon backstory. Um, so that it's was a, a deep little, change. That's a, yeah, it is. It is a big. And when he finds out about it, it creates a huge ripple. Um, but actually, the divergent part, the part where canon really diverges is that um, a test that wouldn't normally be run was run against his DNA. And I actually did quite a bit of uh, research into what kind of um, tests the the FBI were run at the federal level um, when they're investigating crimes, and they do not do familial DNA searches, any kind of standard thing, and that they only would have even run that kind of test if they were desperately grasping at straws. So, um, yeah, so um, so I do think that that qualifies as canon divergent, but I really had to think through that. But de novo is definitely canon divergent uh, because can't, nothing has changed up until the moment when it's just a thing about Tony being in a different place um, and seeing something that he can't explain and deciding to investigate. Um, Oh, sorry, I'm getting my stories mixed up. I'm thinking of memories. God. Now, de novo is just Jenny's, um, the canon divergent part is that Logger and Lee gets killed rather in an arms deal. Because I think he had many an arms deal. Um, so I just arbitrarily picked one and that would have happened in the right time period and had it go bad. And, like, what would be the outcome if Jenny Shepard didn't have revenge? Um driving her and that was the outcome that was the outcome that I came up with was that story but yeah memories is also canon divergent in that Tony noticed something when he had control of the team and decided to pay attention to that what he was seeing that didn't make sense and then started really digging into what was going on on the team and the espionage issues and whatnot totally off topic but I was pulling those links I kept thinking to myself, my site's so pretty. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have a lot, a lot of sentinel fusions. Um, my I'll forgive story the for for you I'll forgive that's what I would call that canon divergent. Yeah, because Tony was I mean the moment of divergence happens when Tony's left at the altar that really did that I mean she did leave him it's not exactly explicit when but the point is what happened the the divergent point is what the what if is what if um, an ex lover of Tony's came to see him when Wendy left Tony. And that was where I started that ripple effect. I'm looking at things that are actually posted. 
Death of Silence, also Canon Divergent. I think that's the end of my Canon Divergent ones that are posted. So almost everything else is some level of Sentinel AU or Soulmate AU. I don't think you can have a Soulmate AU and call it Canon Divergent because the the world building in itself is Canon Divergent. I don't think that time travel should be considered Canon Divergent either. Time, time travel falls squarely. Yeah, well, but in some cases where it's canon, it's normally used to make sure the timeline is not altered in any single way. I mean, we see it used in SG-1, um, and we see the time-turner in Harry Potter. Um, but I would not call Iterum um, a canon divergent. I would call it a fix-it. Yeah, I agree. No more than I would call my Quantum Bang a um, canon divergence. Or um, the unspeakable plot, I would call it a canon divergence. No, I wouldn't either. So I think that when you get into time travel, that time travel just kind of um, takes everything else over. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure there are a few corner cases where, like, you do something different, like... um... What if Jack had gotten laid when he was traveled back in 1969? And you take a canon time travel event and tweak what happened in that event. I think you could argue that canon divergence there, but not time travel that is additional to canon. Uh, there actually is a fic where um, Jack did get laid, and uh, John Shepard is the result. Okay, so there you go. Um, and depending upon how you, what you do with it, it, I mean, it's just something that didn't come out in the show, right? I mean, you could just, if you play it that way, and then the ripple effect is that when they run, I don't know, I haven't read that story, but when they run John's DNA, um, they find that he's related to Jack. But if you take, I think if you take a canon time travel event, and you have you make a, a, a tweak or you ask a question about well what if this small thing was different that you could diverge canon based upon that what if but you're ta- I'm, I don't but you're talking about an event that occurred as opposed to putting in additional time travel as opposed to like Tony tripping over a time travel device it is. I mean, if he doesn't do I'm, anything with it to fix to fix things, I'm squinting. Because <laughs> yeah, you're you're. But like, again, we come back to what's the point of time travel if you don't do anything with it? I mean, if they go back in the past and change a bunch of shit, great. But um, that again, we come back into that the primary trope there would be fix it, fix it, not not um, canon divergence. So you're really looking at. What if at this point in canon something else happened or something additional happened or these characters met later because of this? They actually use that on the the, um, Sandler site explaining canon divergent AUs is they actually use that as an example of what if these characters had met later in their lives or met earlier or whatever. I've been sitting here pondering the idea of so I'm looking at some of my favorite stories and I was sitting here pondering the idea of 
Let's we'll talk through this one because I'm not 100% sure on the canon divergent aspect of this. It, okay. I kind of think it is. Um, have you read Four Military Men by Lady Raw? So that's one where the summary is um, missing and presumed still talking. No. Where someone manages to kip, kidnap Rodney Blair, Daniel Jackson, and somebody else, and they put them all in the same room, and all their military men are looking for them. <laughs> well, that's I, I haven't read quite that flare on it, but it is it is that cast of characters. But in this case, it is that it comes out that Blair, T- Tony Dinozo, Daniel, and Rodney all went to high school together. Now, Rodney, Daniel, and Blair were all, especially Blair, were much younger. Um, and then they they go their separate ways. I mean, Rodney's working for the CIA, even though he's a teenager. He goes off to college. Tony goes off to – and they lose touch with each other. And there's this moment when they're talking about um, why they lost touch because they were really close. Um, and the glue was, um, was Tony, was that he pulled, you know, Rodney and Daniel um, – he pulled Rodney away from his science experiments, and he pulled Blair and Daniel out of their books, um, and he made them be friends. And then without Tony there being the the instigator of the closeness, they all just retreated into their own little world. Um, anyway, um, anyway, so they they get Tony Tony gets the the invite to his high school reunion. And he's not interested in seeing anybody he went to high school with except for those three, and he like, hasn't thought about them in years. And so he reaches out to um, – I don't remember – he gets Abby's help trying to track people down, I think. Anyway, he he, meets, he gets in touch with Rodney first. Um, it, it's pretty interesting how the whole thing goes down, but they all basically wind up – they're all already in relationships. So Blair's already with Jim. Daniel is with Jack. John and Rodney are together, um, but they're all in their canon circumstances. And then I won't spoil if people who haven't read it, but she doesn't like invalidate any of the sh- canon from any of the shows. She just ultimately has the four of them get back together again. And I like if you haven't read it, it'd be difficult to ask answer the question: Is this a canon diversion AU? But even though the Sentinel is present. Only Jim is a Sentinel, so it's not like it's the Sentinels and Guides AU, which would muck up the whole Canon Divergent AU thing. And um, so only Jim is a Sentinel. So I think everybody's Canon is in every show. All four shows' Canons are intact in the story. I mean, there's a whole. Yeah, I don't want to give a spoiler because I haven't read it, but it, yeah, there is that whole thing with the, with the, with the, with how Tony disables that race. It was really inspired. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do think that that would qualify as canon divergent AU. It's just, it. I don't think she intended it that way necessarily. Although I do think she tends that that Lady Raw tends to write canon divergent AUs. I think that's that's her primary thing. So as a writer, if I look at like writers I really enjoy, um, I would say most of her body of work is canon divergent AUs. Um, 
Um, even the stuff that she does where, like, somebody winds up with a paranormal ability, they come into it at a point in canon. It's not like it's a well-known ability. It's not like anybody else has it. Um, so, like, when Tony is tapped in Sensing Evil, when Tony is tapped by that sort of angel lady, yeah, I would call that even that canon divergent. So... I think most of her body of work, and she's one of my favorite writers, so uh, I think it's good examples of canon divergent AUs. I think she's about as, as you can get. The one I was thinking of um, is uh, a Buffy crossover, and it's called Missing, Presumed Still Talking by Mrs. Gordo 3, by Miss Gordo 3. It's not available online that I can find anywhere. It used to be on um, Prospect, but for some reason, it didn't get transferred onto AO3. And hmm. it's Xander kidnapped with Blair and Daniel. <laughs> and it's called Missing Presume Still Talking <laughs> by Miss Gordo. And it's not online. Um, but sorry. Sorry to bring it up, you guys. Um <clears throat> But even but that in the cavity, the way in my head she, immediately. Yeah, the way she introduced the whole idea of this ability to speak to animals, it doesn't doesn't invalidate anything in canon, um, because absolutely nobody knew that this was a, a possibility. Although, it, inherently, it's possible that when you cross over Marvel Cinematic Universe into NCIS, you might be implicitly invalidating some NCIS canon. I'd have to think that through. But that's kind of splitting hairs. Oh, so, another another example. Uh, do you, you've read a forever thing by Ellen's cult, the marriage to get the inheritance thing. Gibbs-Tony yes. story. It's one of my mm-hmm. favorite Gibbs-Tony stories. I would call that canon divergent. Yeah, I would too. Put off reading um, McCavity for a long time because of the the rat. I I was mm. <laughs> the rat. Uh, yeah, so I, uh, I got the issue with the rats. I was like, oh God, not the rats. Why has it got to be rat? Why couldn't it be a cute little ferret <laughs> <laughs> or a squirrel? Why couldn't it be a squirrel? But I did read it, and I enjoyed it, but I had to get past the rats. It was – I actually ended up reading it because I was reading some um, Jurassic World fanfic, and there is a McCavity, um, uh story in the series in Jurassic World where he talks mm-hmm. to Blue. Um, and I read that, then I had to go back and read the rest of them. <laughs> so, like, damn it. Now I've got to read the story about the little rat. I've never seen that Disney movie, Ratatouille, because of the rat. <laughs> really? I mean, I don't like rats. I think rats are horrifying, but I, Ratatouille is one of my favorites. Um, I can't get past that kitchen. I I, I can't. <laughs> well, yeah, I got to admit, he does. Um, they do lampshade that thing quite well because the rat in Ratatouille, why, why am I blanking on his name? I just saw this name recently. 
Um, even he talks about how gross rats are. <laughs> that's why he. That's why he refuses to walk on four paws. Because he's like, you eat with those. <laughs> and he keeps asking like his family. It's like, do you? You just had your hands on the ground. You want to eat with those? And his brother looks at him and like, yeah. So he really he does not get other rats at all. He thinks they're dirty and gross, and <laughs> he's a little bit of an oddball. But yeah, and I had to work past that whole rat thing. Uh, yeah, the rat, um, the rat. I don't, as I recall, this is my recollection. Um, the rat is uh, that's Justin, right? Um, isn't isn't features prominently as the story goes on. So, but yeah, there's there's quite a lot of there's quite a lot of rats and mice up front. But McCavity is the only one that I kind of like head tilt a little bit over on the is it a real canon divergence because it is I think from the NCIS side in the sense that Tony getting an ability that nobody else has ever had ever that well that anybody knows about it's not a known ability when he turns forty years old. Could certainly be a canon divergent question. What happens if somebody comes into a mystical inheritance when they turn 40 or 50 or 30, whatever your, your age is? It's an interesting question to ask yourself as the basis for canon divergent AU. What makes it a little bit of a head tilt for me is the mar- presence of Marvel, um, Marvel canon makes me wonder how much of NCIS canon could even realistically be intact. I, I agree. So. I think it's more of an alternate universe, personally. Just a full-on alternate universe. Yeah, so I think sometimes when you bring in... Oh, I would definitely call it a mutant AU. I would say that's mutant-type ability, especially... Yeah. Wouldn't you say what happens to Tony could be considered a mutation? I mean, they don't explore yep. it at a biological level, but it feels mutation-ish to me. Yeah, I agree. I think it's more mutant AU than it is alter, than it is canon divergence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think it. I think the reason why it feels more to me, it feels more like a mutant AU than a canon divergence, is because of the presence of the Marvel stuff. Because if he's the only boy in all the world with any kind of special ability, um, I don't know. It doesn't feel like very much like a typical mutant AU. But once you throw in the whole Marvel universe, it I don't know. It just changes things. Well, Marvel's canon is intact, yes, but um, the question is, would NCIS's canon be in the main character's Tony? Oh, thank you, Fick Ninja. Really? That's what's... Oh, okay. This isn't the one that I read. The one that I read, they find out that John is Jack's son after he's already left for Pegasus. And so um, when he, when Jack goes, the moment that they can connect, that he goes out to Pegasus and he tells John that he is his biological father. And then he tells him about Charlie. And I had to stop reading it because I ugly cried. <laughs> so 
if I can't. And that was the one where Jack was, um, where the girl in the van was John's mother. And I think in that fic, Jack might have hooked up with both of them. <laughs> yeah, so I think one of the things with when it comes to, if anybody can find the link to that other story, I'd be very curious about it, um, that Kira's talking about. Um When it co- I think one of the things that, al- much like um, how story can write multiple genres, um, like a story can be romance, it can be contemporary, it could be science fiction romance, it could be um, something could be young adults. Something. I mean, there's there's stories can fit into multiple places, and when it comes to the, and the tropes are the same way. You can be using multiple tropes. And for people who like tropes and readily embrace tropes, we sometimes try to throw in every trope we can possibly come across. Um, so when it comes to like picking a, doing a trope where you're supposed to be focused primarily on canon divergence or fix it or whatever else, the question is what is, which trope jumps out as being the big one? Because when you're doing it's like a themed challenge, the goal is to try to um, the goal is to try to honor the challenge with your whatever the main trope is. So um, if you're if you're throwing in time travel to the past and calling it a point of canon divergence, but what you actually wind up with is a fix it fix. I don't think that would be true to the spirit of canon divergence. Would you agree? I agree. We kind of already. I think you have to. You have to. You have to um, focus on your main trope. A lot tropes will blend together, um, but you gotta. uh, Oh, I think they found a a web archive link for missing presumed. Tropes kind of you know pile on when, when you're when you're building and playing and writing, but I think you have to you know honor your your main trope. You know, whether it's time travel or alternate universe or um, Sentinel. Yeah, you got to stick. You got to. You got to make sure you. I think you get the the, the main one in there, um, and that that's your primary focus. Yeah, that story isn't actually on that URL. It it doesn't work. Um, I got link errors. But the the story I'm talking about where where Jack fathered John when he went back in 1969 is called The Connection, and I can't pronounce the um, author's name. I'm going to spell it K-E-I-K-O-K-I-N, and it is on Racebait. And I will put it in the uh, list of links that um, and I, I I stopped reading it, so I don't know how it ends. I couldn't. Uh, I was like, I was in an emotional place when I picked it up that day, and I just I just I cried, and I couldn't go back to it. <laughs> I 
That's the only one I really think of, though, when I think about Jack being John's father because of the time travel. I don't know how it ends, and I make no um, – um, I don't have any warnings or anything. So I just I just had to put it down um, because I wasn't in a place where I could read um, about a dead child, and I never went back to it. <clears throat> and honestly, I find the, um, the elements of Charlie O'Neill's death in um, Stargate um, some of the most difficult to work with, both as a writer and as a reader. Um, uh, There are a lot of guns in my family, um, but they're always secure, always secure. And I find it highly implausible that a military man would have a gun in his house that wasn't secure. Yeah. Now, he wasn't home. He came home that day. He'd been on a mission. He came home. He's talking to his wife outside in the yard when they hear the gun go off. And my question is, is why the fuck was that gun out? Now, in Sentinels of Atlantis, I wrote it in that the kid retrieved the gun, that he sought the gun out um, instinctually to protect his mother, and that he that it went off by accident when he, when he was putting it back. Um. And so I, why did Sarah have the, the gun safe open? I don't believe for a second Jack O'Neill didn't have a gun safe. If he had guns in the house, he had a gun safe. So it's just, it's and then just the idea of a kid shooting themselves in the head is, is horrific. So I have a hard time reading about Charlie O'Neill's death um, because of the plausibility issues and just the actual act itself. Um, but that would actually be a good can divergence. Um, it'd be an interesting what would happen. What what if Charlie O'Neill lived? I think that'd be a great can of divergence. Jack hadn't left his gun out. Let me save this page. I have a whole folder of other writer's stuff. Not in that folder. Saved stories. <laughs> now I have saved Missing Presumed, still talking about Mrs. Gordo 3. Well, it does say, it does say, um, end of part one. So who knows how many parts there were that will be very difficult to find. I don't know if I ever read a part two. 
in the movie Continuum, um, Charlie lived. Um, straight to aren't going to work. You have to go into the archive directly and you have to enter the link to the original story and then navigate to a year when it was actually there. Although that link might work if we fix the URL. Let me try that. No, 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 no. No, I, I, I got to it. You got to it right, Kira? Yeah, I did. I browsed to 2008. Across the top of the Internet Archive, when you get your first calendar, it's set on 2013. And there's years across the top. If you click on 2008, um, you'll be able to go click on January's um, save, and you'll have the fix. Um, That's the only reason but, uh, why this would work. But well, yeah, it, it, it's just when you put in two HTTPs together. Um, the issue is is that the chat client is inserting an extra HTTP, and it's ruining the link. So Okay, so copy and paste that into your browser and remove the extra space. It's not just the space. You need to remove that from the middle. The issue is the chat client. We can give you a direct link if anybody can't figure this out through the instructions we've done here so far. Just hit us up on Facebook. We can send you a direct link there. But the chat client is going to keep corrupting web archive links. So either remove Hey, Barbara, check out your Facebook messenger. <laughs> there you go. Problem solved. <laughs> No, I don't know. Okay. A, I don't. It's hard to know if, if it was a case of wanting to share because um, A52 Prospect did migrate to um, through the Open Doors policy on AO3. But for starters, it's very difficult to search for stuff that migrates in through Open Doors because if the author doesn't claim their work, you can't search by author name um, because it it winds up under an archivist umbrella and searching by title doesn't always work. And there are stories that I have had people give me hard links to on AO3 that I could not through any searching algorithm find on AO3. So right. not everything about the not everything about the, the shift from archives to AO3, it's great that stuff is being preserved, but it can be very difficult to ascertain whether the works didn't make it in the transition, were they removed, or is it actually there, but we just can't figure out how to find it. So, Because um, they don't have pairings a lot of times. They don't have warnings. They don't have um, all of the available fandoms on them. Um, there's so, no tags. Yeah. Um, so it's very difficult. It's like, and in, a, and in a fandom like um, a big fandoms have a lot of works, you're talking hours of scrolling. 
because uh, keyword searching often doesn't get you anything either. So, um, and you have to, you'd have to wait for a web browser to index it, and I don't know. It it can be like I said. I have searched for stories. People have told me you've been on Ao3. They were supposed to come over in an archive migration. I couldn't find them through any kind of Google foo, and then people will send me a link, and it's there, and it's been there. So, and but again, they have no tags. They often have no author. So this story could be legitimately on AO3 right now. It could have not – it could have been that um, the import utility they used kicked it out for some reason that – who knows what reason. Because when, when they're doing these automated imports, um, they have to skip over anything that's corrupted. So it's just there's no telling why it was on 852 Prospect, which is closed now, but was not on AO3, at least not apparently. It could be that the colon in the middle of the title fucked up the database. Could and be. And it got kicked. Punctuation in a title, honestly, is always a bad idea. Especially a terrible idea on rough trade because it ends up creating two fucking tags. Drives me nuts. That's why I take your commas out when you put commas in your titles uh, in the tags because it will make two or three. If you got two or three, it will make a tag for every comma. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean, I've I've only ever done one story with punctuation in it that I can think of. I think it's only been the one story that has punctuation in the title and it was a two. comma. And I I regretted my life choices. I was like, I will never put punctuation in the title again. Dot, 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 for you. Oh, no, I was thinking of this sound, please return. Yeah, but that, yeah, <laughs> I know. I was pointing out the other one because there are two. There are two. <laughs> Is that yeah. an ellipsis? That's an ellipsis, yes. That's an ellipsis. But an ellipsis wouldn't make my... Um, Tag system, create two tags. <laughs> no, commas are especially ugly, but colons are, you don't want to use anything that is used in programming either. You don't want to use anything no. that might be, uh, that any, anybody might be using any kind of database language, uh, which would eliminate, you know, colons, semicolons, question marks. You just don't want to do that kind of slashes, craziness, uh, slashes, exclamation points. Um, in a, in a title, that can be a problem because a lot of times they don't code the database to tolerate punctuation in a title. They don't, um, you know, if you ever look, look on the coding side of something that's got punctuation in it in certain fields, it gets these funny little, little um, symbols around it, like when you're using an ampersand or whatever. Um, it's funny little symbol. It's this funny little string of characters that it interprets to put in an ampersand. Because if you actually use an ampersand, it's going to do something in the code. So, but with titles, they often don't um, have coding to account for all the permutations of what people might put in a title and buffer the database against them. I think some people uh, on. Um fanfiction.net had a problem when um, fanfiction.net removed all of the, what's the swirly um, line? The the, oh, the, the, the curvy line. 
the tilde. tilde. They removed the tilde um, as a recognized symbol in their database because they thought that it was extraneous, but people were using it to break up their scenes. <laughs> yeah, and they took asterisks, <laughs> which is why too. you should always use um, dashes. <laughs> yeah, always they took out asterisks on too. Yeah, they did. I mean, a lot of publishers use asterisks, and we've absorbed that, right? So we've absorbed that an asterisk is a good scene break. Um, But fanfiction.net said, no, we don't need asterisks in our story. And they went and took out all these extraneous symbols, and people wound up with their stories just going through one big blob. Yep. So, yeah, always use dashes when you're on fanfiction.net just for your own sanity. Although, really, honestly, if you valued your sanity, you wouldn't be on fanfiction.net to begin with. Not as a writer. Well, if you, <laughs> yeah, as a writer, yeah. Maybe uh, as it, a reader, pretty, but we all have our weaknesses. Well, if you want to read Harry Potter fanfiction, you, you really should go, probably, to fanfiction.net. Yeah. Yeah. At least until AO3 incorporate, you know, pulls in some more of the good archives. Because AO3's, you know, and the, the problem is, is people who, you know, read fan fiction, we read Harry Potter fan fiction over on what was like Potions and Snitches. Um, they, uh, that stuff gets, that archive, let's say that archive gets pulled into AO3. I'm just using that as an example. Um, people aren't running, who already know those stories, aren't running right back out to reread them and kudo them and um, bookmark them to bring them up higher in the statistics on the site. So when people are looking for stories that are popular with the presumption that popular in some measure, in some fashion equates to good, and in many fandoms it doesn't, um, so they're not word. finding these great stories that are just languishing with no, no, not even any hits because nobody knows they're there. So when you're browsing for and a lot of times, the Open Doors integration brings things in on the date of their publication on the original archive. Right. So they're not going to, in any fashion, ever rise to the top of your list because they have no tags. <laughs> so they're not going to come up in a tag-based search. They have, they're not recent, so they're not going to come up in um, re- recently updated or recently published. Um, they're not... These are old stories, so they're not not going to have a bunch of kudos and a bunch of reads and a bunch of hits. If they're authors by claiming work. them and re-updating the dates. So maybe you could do like a throwback Thursday fandom and pick out a story you read 10 years ago and talk about it on your Tumblr or share it on Facebook and just give these really old stories new life. Yeah, and, and tell people, go out to AO3 and give it a kudos, you know, so that it, it it's not languishing in... The no man's land of it has no hits, no update date, no tags. I mean, it's great that these stories are being preserved, and I think that's wonderful. But sometimes they're just as lost as if they hadn't been preserved. I think that if um, a story is coming in from an archive, that you should be able to volunteer um, tags for it. Um, I think maybe like... Like as a librarian, like you know how they do on Goodreads, maybe moderated, but yeah, I mean, it'd be better than not having tags at all. Yeah, 
Well, I think that they should work out a thing with the archive owner who's letting the archive go to wrangle people to come in and do the tag wrangling for that archive. And because the AS3 yeah. tag wranglers, you know, it's apparently a very, people really want to do the tag wrangling. I can't think of a more thankless job than, and honestly, the tags are wrangled so badly. Um, in many cases, not always, but in many cases, they're wrangled very badly. So in a tag-driven system, tags are everything, and these stories have no tags. So you guys give them some love. Find your old stories that you that you loved 10 years ago um, and um, just give them some new life. Yeah. If you find out one of your favorite archives was absorbed into AO3, go find all your favorite stories Find the hard link for that archive, like because you can get a link. Usually, the archives, all the stuff winds up in a collection of some kind, and mm-hmm. you know, publicize the link and say, "Everybody, come out! This is where the stories are. We got to go through and, you know, keep our favorite stories alive." Because they're they're a fix I thought were long lost to time, and people have sent me Ao3 links, and I was like, "How in the world Yay! did you find that?" And the story's got like. Great, but it's like the story's got like ten hits and no kudos, and it was right. like, huh? That's just real. But I understand how it happens. So, so yeah, I think it might be a good idea to start sorting um, ascending instead of descending, um, like oldest to newest, or um, like no kudos to you know a thousand, you know, just like. Sort by hits that have zero hits and just see what's there. See what's popping up into these archives. And you might find something that you loved 10 years ago and just tell the world about it. Yeah, an archive, um, an archive that uh, um, I found some of my, my really old fandom works a bunch because I didn't know that some Exiles archives had been brought into um, AO3. Uh, so I was a little bit astonished, but you know the publication dates are really old because they're the dates that they were published on those. Although <laughs> archives is a funny word because back then we didn't have archives, folks. They called it an archive, <laughs> but what it was was someone with a manually coded HTML <laughs> HTML website who you sent your story to. And they would yell at you if it wasn't properly formatted or you had a bunch of fucking typos or a bunch of weird symbols. And then they would create a web page. I mean, we called it an archive, but it was it was as far removed from what any of us today think of as an archive as you could get. That's some weird. You know, you have like habits. Um, even though you don't need, you know, you like, like a lifetime of inner, you know, habit ingrained into into it, uh, you just you can't stop yourself from doing it, no matter regardless of the necessity. So I'm like using my sister's hand lotion, and anytime I use a hand lotion or use it for, I would always sniff it. <laughs> so I'm sitting here sniffing the back of my hand. Going, Why am I doing? Why am I doing that? Why am I sniffing the back of my hand? No good. <laughs> Okay, so back to Canon Divergent AUs. Um, uh, 
Jazz said earlier <laughs> up in the chat room that she has a strange fondness for fanfiction.net. I do, too. That's where I read most of my Harry Potter. That's where I fall down into the pit, and sometimes I don't surface for days. And it was actually my first fandom site, but I was too dirty. So I left yeah, before I, I was asked to leave. <laughs> I don't have any kind of deep fondness. I think it's because um, when I first started reading NCIS, it was primarily, and it's still, the, the, the story count on fanfiction.net is, so much bigger for NCIS than it is on AO3. Um, I want to say at least four times as many. I have um, some really good stories for NCIS on fanfiction.net. Yeah, but I, it was just, it was kind of funny because I had this, um, there actually are some really good NCIS stories over there, but I had such a such bad experiences with um yeah, there's 40,000 NCIS stories on fanfiction.net, and I want to say there's like ten or 12,000 on AO3. The, the fandom over there, the fandom itself is so toxic, and I was seeing so much abuse in authors pulling their works off of fanfiction.net and being, especially, this was mostly slashers, folks, who were being harassed, um, but also some gen writers. Um, mm-hmm. Just harassed endlessly and just... Yeah, there's, okay, there's 13,000 now. When I started writing in NCIS on AO3, there were only about 9,000 works in, a, in NCIS. So it's almost four times as big. Well, well a little over three times as big. Um, but the fandom was just so toxic, and there was just people who just, um, yeah, I'm going to call them out. It was the Tony Ziva shippers who would just go around to any story that wasn't Tony Ziva and just hurl abuse at writers. And writers were just quitting left, right, and center, taking their cookies and going home. And I don't believe, blame them because they were being harassed and in some cases being stalked. Um, so I just, you know, like I, when I get a link to an, AOA, a, a, an NCIS story that's only on, it's terrible, but it, it was only on fanfiction.net and that's the only place you can read it, I I go to this judgy place where my first thing in my brain is, well, it must be terrible. <laughs> Isn't true? Because well, my there are a lot of to see on fanfiction.net is slash for the idiots. <laughs> It'll be like at the end of a summary. Because then, you know, that's an author that got harassed for writing slash on fanfiction.net. <laughs> yeah. Slash for the idiots. <laughs> slash. In case you didn't get it by the pairing. Um, it's and it, it's because they were people with slash. Especially the slash writers were so badly treated in the NCIS fandom, and the fandom was so toxic. And actually, there are a lot of great stories over there um, in the NCIS because the story, the fandom, was born, and that that was where it, it grew up was on fanfiction.net. So there's a lot of great stories over there. But there were reasons why, you know, several NCIS-specific archives spun up, um, and it was because the, t- the culture on, on fanfiction.net was terrible, and the, and the mods and the administrators weren't doing anything to stop the bad behavior. So, And we're talking about a fandom that routinely would, like, you know, they would, like, send death threats to the showrunner. So, yeah, we're... We're not talking about the same group of people. You need to get yourself in check. (laughs) That's just a little crazy. 
so when I say they were like stalking people around the internet and harassing them, I'm not kidding. <laughs> they were they were like that we've talked about the one author who pulled her work, went off and created her own website that she made members only uh, that you had to like swear on your life and they would come over and create fake accounts just so they could abuse her. You mean um, Mika? She tried to ban their Yeah, Minka 83. She Mika? wrote the Tony Steele stories. I mean, they would just they yeah. would not leave her alone. They would not leave her alone. And she had done nothing to deserve the no no writer's ever done anything to deserve those kinds of that kind of abuse. But it she just was trying to get away from them and they wouldn't leave her alone. All she did was fail to meet their expectations. She failed to meet their expectations. Yeah, that was it. That was all. They wanted they wanted her to write Tony a certain way or write certain pairings, and she didn't want to do it. Um, but these people, they wouldn't even read these stories. They would just – and I'm just talking about Minka. They, somebody would say they'd write Flash. They would – these, ship, these you know, Tony's evil shippers would just go into any new story that popped up. It didn't matter how much you declared what you were writing, that it was Flash, that it was a romantic pairing, and they would just abuse them for – their story choices, and it's just it's just such such ugly behavior, and it's petty. The archive, it's petty as fuck. The archive could have done something about it, but they chose to just not be involved and just let. Um, that was like one of the first examples I ever saw to me that really jumped out of an archive valuing its readership over its authors, and I get it. Fan, fanfiction.net um, makes money off advertising. Ad, ad, ad dollars. They 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 make money on readers. They don't make money on. They pay for their late their you know they pay for their site based on readers, not based on writers. But I think they're missing the equation that if all the writers jump ship, what do they have? They don't got shit. Nothing. Because Not one a. of the things I've noticed is that the NCIS the amount of NCIS stories on fanfiction.net and there's new stories. But the total number of stories has not grown in the last five years. It's been hovering around 40,000 for five years. And that's because even though people are adding new stories, more authors are pulling their stories from over there and moving it to AO3, which is a healthier space, at least for I would NCIS if I was um, unwilling to host my own stuff. I'd be all up in AO3. But I host my own stuff because I can't stomach what goes on on AO3. Yeah. You know, and I got grief about that. Um, and it's it's not my fault they they they, they allow pedophilia to be published on their fucking website. It isn't my fault. So don't be bitchy because you can't. Download ebooks of my shit because I refuse to put them on AO3.
Life is I'm just hard. saying. And then you die. Oh, wait. Eventually. It's... I get AO3's principle. I even support it. But I can't support the pedophilia. Yeah, I I mean, they basically... Yeah, we talked about this the other night in that they basically act like that if you say no to any one thing, that it opens the door to, I'm sorry, folks, this is the same argument that we're hearing about, like, you know, if you legalize gay marriage, that you're opening the door to marrying ducks. It's it's an absurdity. It's an absurdity. Saying no to kitty porn does not open the door to um, eliminating other kinks, so uh, well, kinks, not other kinks, but kinks. It does not. Uh, it does not open the door to driving BDSM off of the site. It does not open the door to censorship. So, that's just nonsense. Saying we're not going to allow you to to post something that is basically criminal, and could get our servers shut down and seized, is not opening the door to um, prohibiting, you know, slash or. BDSM or whatever, whatever your your thing is, it's not your your thing is not in jeopardy by saying we're not going to allow kitty porn here. I mean that's just that's just the truth. Pet, saying saying no pedophilia does not put your BDSM at risk, and yet that's that's the that's the line, that's the, that's the party line about why they have to allow literally everything, is because it would open the door to you know censoring other content. We can't censor BDSM any content. books aren't oh. illegal. That's right. There are some stories on um, fanfiction.net that have pedophilia in them, yes. But I think that's just a case of them not having been reported. But it could be that fanfiction.net is just, you know, hypocritical about that and um, that, it, that as long as it's not explicit, they don't care. Which is really ugly. Or Although, it's getting too many hits and they're getting too much revenue from it. Could be. Although, to be, although to be fair, it's the explicitness that is the crime. <laughs> Alluding to something, it wouldn't actually tip, you know wouldn't actually probably get you arrested. Um, it's it's the actually writing it out and saying it and fetishizing it. But yeah, I mean, you, I, 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 they are very inconsistent, and sometimes, at least from the outside, it looks like hypocrisy in the way they implement policy on fanfiction.net. So I, it could be a, a variety of things. It could be that these stories haven't been reported. It could be that they were were reported, and the mods decide not to do anything about it because there wasn't any explicit content. I don't know. I'm not privy to the shenanigans, and I wouldn't want to be really because. <laughs> right. I'm like no, 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 dog. No, I'll stay out of that. I don't. I don't even want to be at that circus. I don't want to have anything to do with this crazy. Because people, honestly, people would not like the policies I would implement, and that's the that's the truth. <laughs> oh no. I think I'm a very fair moderator. 
my basic rule is just don't be an asshole. It's not difficult for most people to not be an asshole. And if you're if it is difficult for you, just don't say anything. Just shut up. Just saying. It's really that <laughs> if it's really that hard to not be an asshole though, I really just I don't know. I don't wanna know. Squeaky wheel. The squeaky wheel. That's right, the squeaky wheel. But, you know, if I ran an archive, I would have, wouldn't have content rules be any different than um, what we have on the Wild Hair Writers Collective in that I wouldn't allow that, you know, explicit, well, any, any, even implied sex with somebody under 16. Um, but... And I wouldn't allow RPF on it. I, I wouldn't personally allow R, RPF on um, on an archive, just because I do think it's such a gray legal area that I think one day there's going to be a precedent-setting decision that is going to get a bunch of stories deleted that are hosted on servers where that decision um, would would be in effect, if that makes sense. I think you're asking for trouble. I think RPF is yeah. asking for trouble. Yeah, because I do think that depending on where you're, you know, people people get away with having a certain amount of certain content online based upon where the the physical server is located. You go, well, this content exists online here. Because I think people point me to content that exists online and go, well, this exists here. And I go, you do realize that the servers for this, this you know, it's in some country that doesn't enforce the child pornography laws that we have in most of the world. <laughs> and that's how they get away with those kind of shenanigans. And I'm not interested in running um, an archive or a writing collective or anything where I have to pick that, be careful about what country my server is in because I'm planning to allow really questionable content. No. I'm just going to make sure my content's not questionable. I don't mean questionable from a taste level. I mean questionable from a legality, you know. And then it's not a problem. Right. Because, yes, I question many things from a taste level, but I mean questionable from a legal perspective. Um, anyway, well, that was a that was a big old tangent. I love a good I got love a good rant. I'm not mad about it. I mean, you know, I'm about 30 minutes-ish. Yeah, sometimes, yeah, sometimes we just minutes. need to bitch about AO3 and, and fanfiction, not, and fanfiction.net and, and the shitty things that fandom thinks that they should just be allowed to do because they want to. Now, I'm sorry, folks, but just wanting something isn't a good reason It really isn't. You guys you guys need to stop doing disgusting shit. I mean, it's not too much to ask, is it? It probably is. Uh, it probably is too much to ask. And if your answer is, I don't want to read on some dark CD website because my content is illegal, well, you really actually should have to go read on some dark CD website, and I don't want your content 
hear my content. So there. Which is, there you go. But you hear people put out this argument like their position is the normal one. Oh, so because I like to read, you know, whatever really questionable thing, I should have to go read in some dark corner of the Internet. Yeah, yeah. Yep. (laughs) You totally should. Yep. As a matter of fact, you should. And they make it sound like you're victimizing them when you – because they put that question out there. Like like if you say, yes, you're victimizing them, I'm like, am I victimizing you? You should have to go read in some dark, seedy corner of the Internet that will probably give you malware. Yes, you should, because there are consequences when you make – do something illegal. Yep. There will probably never be a month that will go by in the course of this podcast where we actually have a regular podcast where (laughs) there isn't a rant about people fetishizing sex with children because it's gross it's disgusting it just it's it really it is the it's the it's the most heinous part of fandom and um the first time i saw it i um i really like fix where sirius raises harry and so i found this this fic and i'm not going to tell you what it is please don't ever ask me um I, oh it's like oh oh he's raising harry Harry was two, and I, when I saw, when I realized what it was, when I realized what it was, I barely made it to my bathroom to throw up. Disgusting. And I, I, um, um, I closed it and cleaned my cash. <laughs> I didn't want. <laughs> Like, oh my God, what if I died? It ended up in my history. My husband saw it and thought I read child porn. <laughs> I was like, scrubbing my browser and cleaning my history. <laughs> Sometimes you just click on something deeply, deeply unfortunate. But and the thing is, I, I think that one of the things that really bothers me is that, amongst many things that bother me, is that fandom is normalizing this. And they're making you inured to it if you read it. Even if you quote-unquote, I've, I've heard this justification, I skip over the explicit parts. I'm just Fuck interested you. in the storyline. No, you're still inuring yourself to the horror that is that. And you're helping, by giving those stories, you know, hits, likes, or whatever, you're normalizing that awful content. And people want to act like that it is, you know, the same argument that somebody would use against not. Um, and I had to be telling this once, but one of the arguments that, you know, we used on the podcast um, against this kind of content will be the same argument somebody else might use against BDSM. I said, in that Bullshit. right there, what you just did, that justification, because it, it, people might use the same kind of language. But the fact that you cannot discern the difference between one being cons- consenting adults who are free to do what they want 
and the other being a child, and that you would use the same argument to justify why those should be allowed on an archive tells me that there's something deeply wrong with you. With you. And not only that, I would never let them be alone with my children, if I had children, or my dog, just in case. (laughs) No, you can't babysit my dog. No. (laughs) What? You cannot compare a fetish with a mental sexual deviance disorder. I mean, there is nothing. It pedophilia is not a fetish. No, and if you're calling it a fetish, fetish. you're helping. You're helping normalize it, and you're disgusting. And go on, and you need to check yourself. Or Mm. you bought into the propaganda around. If you don't actually find it arousing, okay, but you're bought into this freedom of speech, censorship propaganda, you need you need to take a deep, hard look at yourself and what it is that you're standing up for. Is that really what you want to draw your line in the sand over? Is pedophilia, really? <sighs> well, since we're preaching to because the choir... You- Yes, well, for the most part, at least in the chat room. <laughs> I would think so, but every once in a while, I, I run, you know, I, I run into like people that I know through either directly as a minion or through a minion or whatever on Facebook. Not necessarily people who are in minion headquarters. I run into them on like you know other other places in fandom, reading and advocating for this kind of content, and I'm befuddled. I'm like. You're part of I, I my I feel this like sense of betrayal. It's like I thought you were part of the tribe. But you're not. Gonna so. get voted off our fucking island real quick. <laughs> I I had no tolerance for it and I um I'm not going to apologize and I'm not going to um tolerate uh arguments over it and I'm not going to listen to anybody try to advocate for it. It is a non-starter. No. I have a hard enough time running across people I know who are really into stories that fetishize rape, okay? I I have a hard enough time with that. I would rather invite a Seventh-day Adventist into my home and have tea with them three minutes listening to somebody say it's okay to read and write pedophilia. And I'm an atheist, by the way. (laughs) And I prefer my tea cold. (laughs) Oh, Lordy. Okay. We're not going to be inviting any Seventh-day Adventists over, but... (laughs) No, I just picked them at random because there was one in that neighborhood earlier doing their mission work. It, it's not personal or I'm, I'm not casting disparaging on that particular um, sect of the Christian um, religion. I find all of them equally horrifying. <laughs> Picking on. I'll, no, actually, I do think Mormons are a little worse. But <laughs> they're That's all my next door neighbors. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, you know, I mean, the thing is, is like, yeah, I mean, I've, 
I have a hard time with it, violent crime being fetishized. You know, it it rape, violence, torture. I but I'm just gonna I'm gonna turn a blind eye to like people doing fix finds for that kind of thing. But the next time I see somebody do a fix find for some kitty porn story, I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell Kira on you. <laughs> <laughs> It might get me thrown out of my group. I'm not kidding because I think it's gross and I don't want to be associated with somebody who would read it or write it. Not a. Um, but uh, back to Canaan Divergence. We got about 20 minutes left. <laughs> okay. Canon Divergence. So. I don't have any idea what kind of story I might do. I mean, I have a lot of story ideas that are canon divergent stories. Um, even in that, even when I'm doing an AU where the world building AU or whatever, like Sentinel, um, where, where I would consider that that trope supersedes the canon divergent trope, I usually have some element of canon in that I'm diverging from. But... Um, you and I talked about, I won't get too much into detail, but you and I talked at one point recently about a story um, that I, an idea I had where Tony and Steve meet on the Seahawk. Um, mm-hmm. That would be canon divergent. It would. Um, if we did that right and if we plotted it right, we could do that next November. Oh, that would be interesting. At least a rough draft. Yeah. We would have to do some smoothing <laughs> after the fact. We'll tell you guys. Yeah. <laughs> no cock teasing. Um, we had this idea where um, she would write Tony's story and I would write Steve's story because we both agreed we could not write together. <laughs> no need to test that. We both have too much, too much OCD um, for that to work at all. But we would write <laughs> stories where um, the end game is uh, Tony and Steve getting together. And she would write the first part of the story with Tony meeting Steve. And then I would write the last part of the story where Steve is in Hawaii and Tony comes to Hawaii. Did but separate. Right, and that basically yeah. what we decided. Yeah, that was that was the idea. That I would write them the meet, the neat, and the the get together kind of thing, and then she would write the. Um, yeah, we'd have to plot it, obviously, but yeah, the, and then you know, because there would be even if it's plotted, there'd be things that wouldn't mesh between the two, and then that's something you would fix in the, in the editing phase is that you. Um, Fix the, fix the things that are incongruent between the two stories. But we were talking about basically you start from the same premise, and then Kira said, well, what if it's not exactly the same premise? What if it's actually the same story? It's just two different timelines, two different parts of the same story. So that was the um, that was the idea we had. 
And and I think to this, for the sake of voice, I would I would write the first story completely in Tony's point of view. It's probably the way I would choose to do that. Um, I'm going to tell Kira how to do that part of it, but I would um, agree. That I think that um, in order to keep it, um, to I think that writing it, um, it will keep internal consistency. That way, um, you wouldn't make assumptions about Steve, and I wouldn't make assumptions about Tony. Stories that would not match up, right? Right. And it also helps. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And also, I if, thought that we had notes about this, but I can't find them. I think I've got them somewhere. I'll look for them because um, we talked about the letter thing. Yeah, as being like the the yeah. So we talked about the letter letter thing, um, but the um, it also helps with it being two different authors if one author always stays in one point of view, because that way the difference in tone and voice is written off as a character issue and not as being two different writers. Right. But basically, um, my story would basically start where yours ends, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Which would be kind of a hoot because you'd know that you'd know the end of mine effectively by beginning hers, which would be anyway because you would know the plot. It's just the, because the point in that in that experiment would totally be the journey, not the destination. Because yeah, I think know. that I probably want to publish my plot with my um, project file. Yeah, because you I mean, totally it's a micro know. plot, not the full plot. Right. But you would totally know um, that the story is about, you know, like the media and getting together or, or, or laying the foundation of their relationship rather. And so you would know that there is – so it's not like it's a spoiler to say there's a foundation by the end of the story. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but, yeah, it, we yeah. thought it sounded like we were talking about the idea of – Two people writing. This came up because we were talking about the idea of two people writing from the same plot and how we thought that was really like a bad idea, um, that I wouldn't do it. Same prompt is not the same thing as writing from like the same plot. And then Kira said, well, but what if you did the same, not the same plot, but what if you were working on the same actual story? And I was, it, yeah, it was, it was kind of a light bulb moment. It was a really good... It was a really good writerly chat. Yeah. Because I've already, I mean, I've tried repeatedly in the past to write with people, and I got as far, I mean, I got further with Lady Holder than I have any other any other writer. Um, and, um, but, and it's not her fault, it's mine. I have OCD, I mean, I have issues. I have control issues. Um, and, um it, it's just I, I got further with her than I have any other writer on a story together. Yeah, I I had my first co-writing experience was super successful. It was it it was so smooth and so organic, and I found out things later that <laughs> changed my perspective on that. Um, and we didn't we didn't write really but but like the one story together, and then um, I kept trying to recapture that magic. <laughs> It kept not going well. 
like really, <laughs> really not going well. Um, and when I, ta- I talked to the, the, that person who was still a friend of mine, but she wasn't really writing as much anymore, about, you know, what my experiences have been like trying to write with other people. And we talk about some of the things that didn't go well. And, and like, one of the things, people, like, diverging from the, the point of the story and throwing stuff in. in and, like, I'm like, they just keep losing the plot. And, and they keep wanting to do this thing. It doesn't make any sense. And um, I tell them it, it's a plot hole and they don't want to listen and da 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 and, well, it turns out that the reason why it seemed so smooth and organic to me was because she had just let me be in charge, which I did not know. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, well, she said, well, it sounds like you're trying to co- really collaborate. And I'm like, yeah. She says, I said, I'm trying to be cooperative. She said, you didn't get that you were, that you were making all the decisions <laughs> when we were writing. And I said, no, but now I feel really clueless. <laughs> <laughs> I said, but it was. I said, but even if I did make all the decisions, okay, even if that's true, you still stayed on plot, okay. You didn't like, inter- you know, like suddenly every every you know, an asteroid suddenly hits Earth in the middle of that we never the the Earth wasn't even in jeopardy from an asteroid before that, so. Um, <laughs> You know, and I mean, I had something very close to that happen in a story. I was like, where did this plot element come from? It, it wasn't that it was – well, it actually did create huge plot holes. But it was just this astronomical world-building catastrophe thing, like a natural disaster, that I get back when I get a chapter back from somebody, and I was like, what is this? Like, I thought it would just amp up the tension. I said, well, but – we're going to be diverting from the point of the story for like 40,000 words to deal with this natural disaster. Oh, we could do it much quicker than that. Well, there's no point in introducing something this calamitous if we're not going to do something with it. <laughs> so. I can hear your frustration. So, <laughs> but, but, why are you, but why are you putting calamities into, my, into the story? I don't understand. We, we agreed. The test was what we were going to write. Um, so, yeah, and then so I didn't want to talk to her to find out that she just let me make all the choices. And I was like, but yeah, okay, then maybe that's true. And I had been oblivious to that. But you still stayed on task. <laughs> so you didn't, like, introduce a sudden hurricane <laughs> that we hadn't talked about. But, yeah, so I've I've not had – I have had a good rating co-writing experience uh but much like here i haven't had very many so um mostly it doesn't work and it was only the first one and the only reason why i kept trying is because the first one went so well if the first one had been like the second or the third or the fourth one i'd have never done it again <laughs> i'd have been like fuck no <laughs> nope but i do what think this horrible it's, um I do think that if you, uh, I think it does require plotters, um, or at the very least, the pantser needs to go first. Um, <laughs> I don't think I could do it with somebody who pants during the challenge, but um, if you and another writer want to collaborate um, like this with, and tell a story like this, um, you either have to do, if you're both pantsers, one of you has to go first, and then the other one has to pick up the thread in their story that, that gets left behind. 
But if one's a plotter and one's a pantser, let the pantser go first. Then adjust your plot to fix whatever they do. <laughs> of course, you may not want to. You may get you may get it. You may go, what is this? Because with two plotters going to a story together, they have an idea of what's going to come out the other side. If you yeah. let the pantser go first, you could get a story and you go, what is this? I don't want to write this story. <laughs> It, it may not be a bad story. It just may not be your thing. So it, there's, it's a mismatch, in, a mismatch in style can be detrimental to a writing collaboration. I think that You've if you done want a, your pantser go first, you should definitely give your pantser um, <laughs> a goal. Some guidelines. Like, I need you to end here um, with all these things have happened. And then whatever else you want to do. But I need these three things to happen, and I need to end here for my plot and then just let them go and see what they come back with. <laughs> yeah. But you ever, you ever but I think it would help Robin? if your pantser would also be open to changes. Yeah. There are some pantsers out there who are very flexible, who are very, oh yeah, I can make that change. Some who don't want to change a single word. So you really need to understand what somebody's um, style is like to make sure that it is going to mesh with how you write. Because, um, I mean, I don't know if you guys remember the days of when round robins were really, really popular, but if oh, you do and you never tried to participate in one, um, there was always that asshole. Like, assuming you actually could get a good round robin going where people were kind of picking up each other's clues and, and threads and foreshadowing, and, and there's always some asshole who would ruin it. You know, there's always some asshole who would fuck everything up. And... Unfortunately, I don't think most of the people I've ever tried to co-write with were assholes, but a lot of times it felt like that. It felt like the asshole in the round robin who kept trying to fuck me up. I was taking it very personally. <laughs> I can't I can't function in a round robin. I would commit murder. I, I, I just can't. I've only done it once, and I wanted to kill people. I just got us back on track, you cocksucker. I can't believe you. The unfun kind of cocksucker. <laughs> Which is too much teeth and a half an inch gag reflex. <laughs> <laughs> now, Azure, I don't know what to do with this news. That she <laughs> is the asshole in Around Robin, and the best part is fucking well, people that, up. You know what we do with that news? We establish right now that if we ever get so dumb as to do a round robin, that Azure cannot participate. <laughs> Not unless she's the very last bit written, because if she obliterates everything with a meteor strike to Earth, we'll just pretend like that. that would be epilogue, what epilogue? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, actually, I did do a kind of a round robin with Lady Holder during McShepherd's, which was great. It was a comment fic. Um, and we, we blew shit up and turned John into a werewolf, and it was fine. Um, but if you get, like, a group of five or ten people, it is it is an exercise in frustration. If you get several people – no, the vegetable thing started with some what-ifs. And there was – I said a what-if, and Curie had a what-if. And the next thing we knew, there were potato guns or something. Um, it was my fault. I admit that. I made a mistake. <laughs> it was funny as fuck. But the only per- we, we made suggestions. The only person I think who did any writing on that was was Azure. We would we would. Look, the, I think I yeah. 
I, I think I mentioned durian fruit at some point. You need to come into yeah, it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You armed her. Yeah, you armed her. But um, my mistake was, was, how did it go? Azog the Impaler never saw that potato coming or something like that. I'm sure Az has it. I, I believe it's the opening line in her fic. And yes, it's my fault. And I'm sorry, fandom. No, you're not. I'm not sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I had said something about pou- the pouches that um, <laughs> hobbits have. And then Kira gave Bag that line. And, yeah, it, yeah it, was, it was just all Kira. I think Kira was responding to, to you were responding to me. I said that, and then you gave that line, and then the next thing you know, she's writing the vegetable ninja, and we're like, yeah. oh, okay. But <laughs> I got up one um, one morning, and there was the genie's clown circus, so which really befuddled me because <laughs> we don't usually totally even allow the c fault. word in chat. <laughs> I was trying to um um. I was trying to to punish as, but she liked it. <laughs> you can't punish the crack master with crack. Well, I I created a Death Eater circus, and Voldemort was the um was the ringmaster, and the genie was was the head clown, um because all the other clowns were afraid of her, and they and she oh. insisted on driving the clown car. <laughs> Is that what I said? Oh my God! What was how late at night was this? <laughs> so okay, my contribution to this was, Azog the Defiler never saw that potato coming. I'm not sure the rest of that was mine. Um, and Jilly's contribution was, Hobbits are divinely blessed by Yavanna to weaponize produce. I must have been very tired. <laughs> This is what happens when you enable as. That's just all I gotta say about that. This is just yeah. You, you cannot you cannot battle her on with crack. That 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 would would never work. <laughs> She'll just one up you until you surrender, until you wave in the white flag, and she probably wouldn't stop until she felt like you had really gotten the message. <laughs> <laughs> actually want to throw down the an actual gauntlet to to as because I have no idea what kind of purple prose would come out of that, but I'm not sure I could bear it. Because <laughs> one day I you might something I the business into the potato gun. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember what I said. I don't remember we were talking about something and I said something about and she asked me if it was a challenge. We were talking about the purple prose and she said do I hear a challenge? I was like, no. No, you do not. <laughs> There's no challenge nope. here. <laughs> not even remotely. There are two people I don't fit on the gauntlet with. <laughs> As and Cinna. <laughs> I'll get my head beat in with that gauntlet in some fashion. <laughs> Hmm. 
Um, I did finish my plot in November. Um, did you? Which is good. Yeah. I finished I my plot for November too, which is why I had to up my change my my sign up from a Slytherin to a Ravenclaw because reality check. <laughs> <laughs> I can't write another epic. Hundred <laughs> K. I. I actually did not want to get into another epic for November. I've talked about that, but I don't have anything else ready for this challenge. And I just am not with all the stories I've got in process right now. I don't have, I don't know. It's like, I feel like I don't have the creative bandwidth to plot yet another big story because I've plotted several. I'm really on board with your story. It just amuses me that you were like, Oh, I can't do another epic. And now you're at a hundred K. Well, it just for makes me, me epic would be, well, for me, epic, I, I got to hit, like, um, it, I would have to do 150 for me to, like, start feeling like it's an epic. When I have to cl- crank out 5,000 words a day um, the whole month, that would be 150,000 words. So, yeah, that's about right. 150,000 words is where I start to just be like, I can't deal. Hundred thousand. If I actually get to the end in 100,000 words, I just would call that kind of... A novel with a bit. <laughs> with a bit. It's with a novel with um, a bit. It's it's like it's like it's like a ten percent extra. But when it gets in I've done my arc plot, you know, like is the the points and now I have to go back and do my plot points. But I'm thinking between fifty and seventy five. Maybe a little less, depending on how how tight I can get. Yeah. And you've been really good with your word economy lately, so Yeah. I came in under budget. On my yeah, you did. Bottom bang, because I had said 150, and then I said 125, and then I came in at 115, and it feels full. Yeah. It feels a lot bigger than it is. I think anyway. It feels like a lot of story for the amount of words. Yeah, so I would agree. So. If, if I had read it's that, tight. Said, it's if I, tight. Landing legacy, it is tight. So, if I hadn't known that it was the word count going into it, and somebody had asked me how long is the story you just read, I would have guessed that. Well, actually, it's a breeze to read, so it feels like reading 60k. But I would guess that there was at least 150,000 words there. So, um, okay, yeah, take but, a deep breath. And that's the rough draft. Yeah, I'm. I'm just. I'm really pleased. You guys are gonna fucking love it. And I'm sorry to be a cock tease, but I'm not really a cock tease. You just gotta wait six months, eight months, <laughs> nine ish, something. Something ish. Don't panic about. Yeah. We got forty five seconds. Don't panic about. Don't panic about rough trade, Liz. You're gonna be great. You're gonna be You're great. Fine. Just take deep breaths. We'll be there for you. It'll be great. Say good night, Jilly. Good night, everyone.